Well, it's Friday, the 18th of October, 2019, and this is episode 123 of Autonomous Cars with Mark Hogue. Today, a very special episode, because on Monday I was invited to attend the 5th annual Silicon Valley Reinvents the Wheel, held at the Computer History Museum in Mountain View, California. So, first of all, a huge shout-out then to Scott Fosgard of Fosgard PR up in Detroit, who introduced me to Charlie Vogelheim, who invited me to the event. So guys, really a huge thank you indeed. That was a really fantastic day for me. Very much appreciated. Um, also, by the way, I had the chance to meet uh, at the event the MC, who was none other than Brian Cooley, host of CNET's Roadshow. And yes, I can now personally attest that Brian's voice really is just as awesome in real life as on the show. Anyway, lots to share with you, including some pretty mind-blowing revelations that were gleaned from various presentations. Of course, however, I think you'll be most interested in the several interviews I managed to conduct with presenters at the event, uh, including the likes of NVIDIA and Velodyne. But first, just a friendly reminder, if you're a fan of this podcast, don't forget to follow me on all social media at Autonomous Hogue. Don't forget to leave a five-star rating and written review over on Apple Podcasts, and you can leave written testimonials over at podcast.markhogue.com. Right, without further more to say about this then, let's dive in and get started. Episode 123 begins now. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. All right, so I want to devote most of today's episode to each of the four interviews I managed to grab during the event. Um, but there are a few particular nuggets I want to share with you from various presenters' slides. And to kick things off, um, let's discuss briefly uh, the presentation given by Kristen Kolodge uh, from J.D. Power. She's the executive director for Driver Interaction HMI. And, well, let me just dive in and tell you this. Um, it turns out that you know those surveys that show whether you're likely or not to purchase an electric vehicle. Well, it turns out that the likelihood to purchase or lease an EV um, is almost exactly equal and opposite depending on whether you've already owned one or not. So in other words, yeah, the, the, the graphs for those who have owned an EV, you know, in terms of whether they're likely to purchase one again, you know, going from extremely likely all the way down to not at all likely, um, and the graph for never even been in an electric vehicle, in the same graph, well, they're literally mirror images of each other. So I just, you know, I, I find that really pretty mind-blowing. It's not necessarily, um, well, I should clarify. I don't think it's mind-blowing that people who've never experienced an EV don't necessarily want to get one, but it's pretty astonishing how equal and opposite the results are. What is amazing, though, is the overarching takeaway, which is this. It turns out that if you think about most businesses in the world, from the smallest startups to the largest enterprises, what you usually hear are things like, how can we minimize pain points? What we can do, what you know, what can we do as a company to eliminate the things that really bother our customers, right? 
And well, it turns out that in this electric vehicle space, and and you're going to see that I'm sort of, I'm kind of using this as a proxy for the autonomous vehicle space as well. It turns out that for electric vehicles, simply minimizing pain points isn't sufficient to drive demand. So yeah, it works for those who have already owned or experienced an EV, but the mere knowledge that an EV will make your life better, that it'll, well, I should say, the the mere knowledge that it'll uh, eliminate hassles associated with conventional internal combustion engine vehicles, that just isn't a sufficiently driving force to compel people to switch to EVs. It turns out that, in fact, this particular space requires a proactive demonstration of, well, an accumulation of of all the pluses. So it's not about just eliminating the minuses. You've got to really showcase the pluses. To put it a different way entirely, if ever there was an example of, you know, this is good enough, well, this is surely it. So if this sounds familiar, you've probably heard a similar thing, right? uh, Henry Ford back in the day famously said something to the effect of, if you asked consumers what they wanted, they would ask for a faster horse or a larger carriage. Nobody would have said, oh, yes, I want a horseless carriage propelled, you know, motivated by some sort of smoke belching mechanical motor. You know, no one ever said that. Similarly, if you, if you remember Steve Jobs also famously said, you can't ask consumers what they want because they never know. And, and so it's the same thing here with electric cars. I mean, it's, it's really the sort of thing where you, just due to its very nature and due to the admittedly perfectly fine, uh, you know, value provided by conventional internal combustion motor cars, yeah, most people aren't really going to get it unless and until they actually experience it. So I just think that was a really kind of profound takeaway there. Uh, Another really fun highlight from the event was something which, frankly, I'd never heard about, and it turns out it's because they've been totally under the radar this this whole time. They only kind of decided to finally announce themselves a couple weeks ago. It's this absolutely mind-blowing, bleeding, gorgeous, all-electric, four-door, four-seat, luxury GTE, that is uh, an electric GT supercar. It's called the Draco GTE. Um, And let me just read to you some of the highlights of this thing. Uh, And by the way, you can find photos of this over on my Instagram page at Autonomous Hogue, but... um, Right, so the powertrain, it's got four permanent magnet hybrid synchronized motors, 225 kilowatts each. The entire car's power output is a whopping face-distorting 1,200 horsepower. Yeah, that's 1,200 horsepower. It's got four direct-drive gearboxes. And so to be clear, again, this then is a quad-motor electric vehicle. This contrasts, of course, to Tesla's dual-motor layout. Um, So the wheel torque is... a is an effectively, uh, unbelievably 6,500 foot-pounds. Uh, this, of course, all results in a top speed of 206 miles per hour, during which journey your face will have effectively been repositioned around your skull. Uh, the battery pack is a surprisingly not-so-massive 90 kilowatt-hours. Tesla, of course, now hits 100 kilowatt-hours. This is a heavier car, so... My assumption, because the math is pretty straightforward when it comes to electric vehicles insofar as performance and range and that kind of thing, so my assumption is this will probably manage to crank out something in the on the order of, I don't know, I would guess, say, 230, 240 miles, give or take. And my assumption also, based on its weight, if nothing else, is that its 0 to 60 times should be something a bit slower than the fastest Teslas. I would guess 
the 3.2-ish second range, say. Um, but yeah, anyway, do do check it out. Um, yeah, they're called Draco, and as I say, just an absolutely bleeding, beautiful thing. Admittedly, nothing to do with AVs, but it is a full EV. Yeah, they don't even have forward-looking cameras for things like lane keep assist, but um, so I just couldn't help it but include it. So yeah, very cool thing indeed. All right, so that's it for the um, sort of highlights I wanted to share with you from the presentations. Let's dive in now, as promised, to each of the four interviews. Uh, I managed to grab a hold of folks from Velodyne, RideCell, NVIDIA, and Waven. So let's dive in and get started with these. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So first up, we've got Vidaya Devarasetti from Velodyne. My name is Vidya Devarasetti. Very cool. All right, so tell us about this Velodyne LiDAR-equipped Tesla, which, yeah, I, I thought this was a joke. It is not a joke. <laughs> we, the main focus of our um, uh, team this year is like integration of, uh, seamless integration of our LiDARs into a consumer vehicle. So... As you can see here, we have our Valeray uh, right behind the windshield, and then nothing. I, is I was looking us. for it. I didn't even yeah, see exactly. it. Now, now, yes, okay. That's, <laughs> that is a okay <laughs> treasure hunt kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, that's, that, that's actually quite impressive because I really. That's behind the. Okay. Right so you've only got you've only got the one here at the front. There's that's nothing it. else around the corner. Nothing car. else around the corner. It's, it's the only one, and then you can see 120 degree field that, of view. That, that was my next question. Okay. Yeah, 200 meters, 10 uh, percent reflectivity, and then 0.1 degree. Field. 200 meters. Yes. So right now this one can see 160. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Wow. Uh, All right. Yeah. So, so what? But just, I mean, humor me for a moment. So what's the idea with demoing this on a Tesla, though? Is it? it it could have been anybody. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I know I'm pushing the issue here, but I just, yeah, come on, it's funny. You know, hey, you know, Elon Musk doesn't believe in LIDARs. No, and then, no not really. He's not a, yeah. yeah. So I thought like it would be fun to show. I knew there was like, fun in there somewhere. Okay. It's so. not fun. <laughs> Don't quote me on No, no, that, no, yeah. no. Uh, no, this is awesome, though. I know. I mean, like, it's, he's more on an aesthetic, and then, you know, it's the, it's, pleasing to eyes right i mean like it's nowhere you can see lidars unless like i point it out yeah. you wouldn't know of, that there is a lidar yeah. in there for sure all right so on a yeah. serious note though so what's the idea i mean obviously there's a future which suggests you can have uh, several different technologies right radar sensor sensor uh, lidar computer vision everything right yeah i mean is that kind of the idea that's the kind of the idea i mean like we we only do LIDAR. Of course, of course. Yeah, so, but it's... But, well, let me, let me flip the question around, though. Like, so, do, do you see a future that works where vehicles are equipped with only LIDAR and nothing else? No, I don't see okay. that. I mean, like, I, it would be a amalgam of, like, the, the integration of uh, cameras, yep. LIDARs, and yeah. then radars, probably. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, it's, uh, it's a whole suite. It's not just LIDARs. Yeah, no, that makes yeah. sense. That makes great sense. Yeah. Well, cool video. Thank you so much. Really appreciate the time. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, all right, next up, we've got Eric Weber from RideCell. Awesome. So tell me a bit about uh, RideCell and Auro. So Auro is the autonomous driving team for RideCell. 
RideCell does uh, software for car sharing and ride sharing fleets. And Aro, we're, we're trying to build out the autonomy that will help power those fleets as they move towards more utilization and more profits. That makes sense. We've seen a lot of this. It's a lot of sort of consolidation across different teams, different companies potentially, right? Uh, each doing their own specialty, I guess, right? Uh, what can you add to that? Um, yeah, so our unique piece that we're adding to RideCell is that we're enabling RideCell to um, be able to rebalance, service, um, move vehicles to areas uh, you know, that are needed instead of just being in areas that are not. And so the autonomy aspect of that will help uh, us to distribute the, the fleet and control it in a, in a smart way. Got it. So unless I'm missing something, this addresses the question of what do you do when you've got a bunch of empty cars running around without any passengers? What do you do with respect to parking? This kind of help optimize what's where when? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And the idea is that the autonomy is, we're, there's already rebalancing out there, right? But it's manual rebalancing yeah. and it costs a lot. Is this what we've seen with like some of the, the electric scooters where people go around, pick them up and drive? Exactly. It's exactly. Like scooters, but it's the same thing happening with cars. Yeah. So why do we not yet have autonomous scooters repositioning? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I've seen that case from that, from yeah. uh, Segway, where the scooters are driving around by themselves. But wow. yeah. yeah, so it's something similar. My guess is we probably haven't seen it because it's easier to flood the market with more scooters. At some point, you don't need to rebalance because there's just enough there. There's enough supply, right? Cars, it's a lot more expensive and parking is more of an issue. So that's a good point. So speaking of which, then, real quick point to touch on. So what's the solution for reducing, indeed, the number of cars driving around without passengers? I've often suggested an occupancy tax. If you've got an empty car, it's going to be taxed to hell. If it's got a lot of passengers, it might even be free. What do you guys think? What's the solution to this? Hmm. Well, the solution for me is to make it be used more instead of just sitting there in the parking lot or sitting there in the streets, right? You want the cars to be driving around and picking up passengers all the time. It's just sitting in a sure, lot. Sure, but we have to assume there's a reality where for yeah. those people that privately own autonomous cars, they may not want to pick up passengers, even if it financially makes sense, they just may not choose to, right? So, like, how do you make sure that you don't have empty cars driving around? It's, it's going to happen, right? I mean, you, you need a minimum. Yeah. You need a minimum, and I guess... One autonomous car picking up like five to seven people per day is going to have, you know, those seven people not driving their car into the city or something like that. Sure. So if, if you see one replace like maybe, you know, five to ten cars, that's that's sure. it'll make it better for everyone, I guess. But I guess the optimal point, of course, is no leg, no single leg of any car drive from A to B will ever have zero passengers. That's the optimal end game, right? Optimal, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Got it, got it. And I think kind of the path towards that is make it make economic sense to do that, right? Make it make economic sense to use uh, an autonomous ride-sharing technology for your daily commute rather than buy one. Make it such that buying an autonomous vehicle for yourself is something you do for fun. It's a toy, right? And and the applica- the reality there is not that many people will do it. Yeah, some will for sure. Yeah, oh, it makes sense. Yeah. Cool guys. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Here's. Tim Wong from NVIDIA. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Tim Wong, yes, NVIDIA? Yes, I work in technical marketing for autonomous vehicles at NVIDIA. Very cool. So obviously we've talked a lot about NVIDIA over the last couple of years, uh, but I feel like from my 
point of view anyway, there's been a lot on kind of the back-end discussion. What, what are you guys doing both at a holistic kind of high-level view and where things are going at a more focused direction, say? So definitely uh, we found that the compute problem needs to be, it's a big problem, yeah. that we're now putting a 320 trillion operation per second computer in the car, super computer level in the car. Um, driving is complicated. I mean, so... Believe it or not, I consider the perception problem the easy part of the problem. Understanding where objects are, where objects are going to be, the lanes, uh, figuring out my drivable area in front of the car, reading signs. Believe it or not, that's the easy side. The hard side is predicting the properties of an object and its potential behavior. So imagine you're going down a line of parked cars and you see someone who's just parked. Doors haven't opened yet. You know the door. You know I have growing up human that the doors are about to open. Um, the other one is uh, I was just driving my daughter and. We're going down a two-way street. Someone's about to pull out of a driveway in front of us, and they're looking the other way. Now, you and I both know, and I told her, be ready to stop. Make eye contact. Well, be ready to stop because they don't know we're there. And sure enough, that person pulled out. We slammed on the brakes. I actually thought we were going to hit. We didn't. But my daughter said, if you hadn't said something, I would have slammed right into her. Like, to to her, that was not a threat. And I go, you're a new driver. I'm an experienced driver. I'm predicting bad human behavior. That's what we have to get in the cars. You know, and trying to get the understanding of objects, you know, the classic ball rolls in the street, a dog or a kid's right. going to follow. Mm. We understand that as humans. Mm. We need to get that human understanding into cars. That's going to be the, the hard part. So this is an altogether different question than the one that we've heard so much before. Like, how do you dif- differentiate between, say, a person and a plastic bag in the wind? Even if the shapes were otherwise identical, there should be a way to determine... This is just a bag that looks like a human. This is a real human, right? This is an altogether different problem. This is predictive. That's truly recognition. And to me, the problem that you're talking about is a data problem that we've right. actually seen. Agreed. Uh, it was really funny. We were talking to a company that uh, had a really good pedestrian detection program. And I said, what happens on Halloween? And, <laughs> and wow. That's, yeah. You, you should have seen the jaws drop. They were, well, they, mine just did. <laughs> uh, they thought they were done, but you have people who dressed up like cars, right? You have, you know... <laughs> There are all sorts of craziness. But again, that's a data problem, right? With more training data, you can overcome that problem. But what I'm talking about is understanding the properties of an object and its potential. Right, of course. And that's a much harder problem to solve. And that's why I, I see you see people kind of delaying out their programs. You see people trying to realizing this is a much harder problem than they first thought. So who knew then? Your GPUs... Even better than just doing Far Cry at 60 frames per second. Impressive. Absolutely. (laughs) This is very cool. I guess last quick question, if I can. I don't know if you can answer it. I mean, again, so NVIDIA as a company, though, in this space, really it seems to me, unless I'm wrong, that there's really the approach is technology that can potentially be licensed or sold to other companies doing their own kit of stuff. Um, Is there a world where you guys start to develop your own vehicle, too? Or probably not, I'm guessing. No interest in building. I figured not, but it's worth asking on the record. We're trying to be a platform. Right, makes sense. Same as our GPUs. You know, we make a GPU, but, you know, Asus and, you know, uh, Gigabyte make the graphics cards, right? We're doing the same model for autonomy vehicles. We have a platform that people build on top of, but I don't want to figure out how to do conformal coatings no, on of PCB course. and yeah. all these crazy automotive standards that you need to comply with to get it into a car. I'll let the car companies do that because that's what they know how to do working with their T1 manufacturer. So I guess the fi- final follow-up question I have to ask then, is there a world where we've got multiple such platforms or will this eventually look like at least PC and Mac or I guess you could say Linux as well. I mean, is, is there a world where it's kind of all going to be one primary platform or is there space for multiple eventually? 
So I would love it to be one platform. Well, yeah, <laughs> of course. But the reality is, you know, we work with every car company. Every car company has their sensor configuration, their sensor of choice. Yeah. They're religious about it. They're inflexible about it. Yep. And everyone's different. And so, you know, me being the platform guy, I've got to support everything. Unless, of course, one day we have a world where there's mandated regulatory, uh, mandated regulation, which says, no, it has to be certain sensor kit with certain performance on a certain platform. That's possible. It's We've possible. seen that in aviation, right? Yeah, it's possible, but you're still going to have some competition, right? Sure, you're fair enough. So, so you've still got to support multiple configurations. Got it. Awesome. Well, thanks very much for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you. And now we've got the founder and CEO of Waven, Rafael Marañón. So I'm Rafael Marañón, founder and CEO of Waving. Uh, started building a computer vision software for safety driving. And basically, our first product is a mobile app that helps uh, drivers to reduce collisions and actually share some of the driving trips with their family members. Yeah, so I saw your presentation. It was really awesome. Um, I think the key selling point, the intriguing thing, is how simple it is. Uh, basically, as I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, you take your own cell phone, you basically clip it onto your windshield so it's looking forward, and you're basically using the camera of the phone paired up with your AI and I'm guessing some machine learning, whatever, to basically pr provide things like basic ADAS system, forward collision warning, maybe even lane keep assist, speed warnings, et cetera. Is that correct? Exactly. You know, 83% of the, of the teenagers actually are driving all cars. Parents buy a new car with the fancy safety advanced technology for them, and they pass the old one to the teenagers. So now they have this situation where uh, they don't have the safety features. So we provide the forward collision warning, real-time alerts, mm. and also hard braking, uh, rapid acceleration, and we track distraction and speeding. So parents actually get notification when they, uh, according to the driving behavior of the kids so they can have a discussion at home. Do you have any reason to believe that there are teenagers who will either really, really love to have this as, and frankly, those who will really, really just not want to have it? And if so, why in both cases? Yeah, this is a very good question. I feel like me, I would have actually thought, oh, this is super cool. I'd probably love to have it. But I would imagine there's some who just wouldn't want it. Yeah, I think it's a privacy concern here. You don't want the... I don't even just mean privacy. I, I mean just I mean, like I don't want to be told when I'm driving a certain way, right? Yeah, yeah, that's is that true. Possible? That's true. Yeah, well, I mean, this is a, this is a, you set up your own sensitivity for those alerts. You know, it's true that most of the driver, hey, I'm a good driver. I don't need that. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, they want to look after their safety. And this is very interesting metrics. You can check it yourself if you are driving well or not. This is, a, this is not like somebody next to you saying, hey, stop down, you know. This is like a, like a machine telling you, hey, uh, respect to the average driver, you're doing well or not. Mm. And then I guess just very briefly to touch on the question, to elaborate on a question that was asked in there on privacy. I mean, I, to me, the question of privacy was also really just all this video feed. I mean, if you're basically feeding video on your own cell phone, there's a question of now everybody knows where I'm going, where I live, et cetera, where I go to work. I mean, is, this, is there like a lot of end-to-end -end encryption going on here? Like what, what's, what's the deal with respect to... Yeah, we know we have microphone all around the house. We have... Well, of course. Uh, every application is tracking our location. To, of course. It's not like uh, 10 years ago. You know, things that people are getting used, this is uh, because people want to get the value of this, you know, like, uh, and teenagers, they don't have much choices, you know, your parent are giving you a car and let you drive, so sometimes for some a good driver, this is good because you can show now, you have data now to show to your parents that you are a good driver, actually you maybe, they can extend you the driving hours in the evening, probably, or you can drive with your friends, so this is an opportunity for teenagers to demonstrate that they are good drivers. So it could be a competitive thing too, it could almost be like a game, like a leaderboard of safety. Exactly. This is all about, you know, sometimes, uh, I mean, uh, in parenting, uh, it's a hard time, you know, especially when they are teenagers, they want to be independent, they want you to trust them. But this is, you know, they use uh, technology heavily. So I think they're more, they're more, con parents are more concerned than teenagers on the yeah. things, you know, it's true that, and you know what, the, the really teenager who is really concerned, 
there are tons of uh, of uh, blogs online that can tell you how to hack those applications. You yeah. know, like uh, so you know, there is not there is no science here. They are heavy user of technology, and, uh, and many of them actually we use in a good way. Mm. Last question, please, really quickly. Uh, can you shed any light on how the processing is done? Is it local? Is it cloud based? If it's cloud based, is latency not an issue, etc.? Okay, so this is everything local, actually. All of it, really? Yeah, yeah. It's working without any connectivity. If you want the, the, for the speeding alerts, of course, because we need to get the the speeding limits sure. from the road. Yeah, yeah. You need to have access if you have never been in that road before. Okay. But this is everything is local. So also we have the option to have a cloud in case that some uh, family want to actually uh, upload to the cloud some mm. of the video of danger situation so they can actually review later at home and discuss. Mm. Got it. Awesome. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. All right. Well, that'll do it for today and indeed this week. Coming up next Tuesday, a really great discussion with Raz Peleg. He's the sales director at Adasky. If Adasky sounds familiar, that's because you'll remember several episodes back, I mentioned their seemingly unique infrared sensor that they've developed for autonomous vehicle use. A huge thank you again to Scott Fosgard for hooking me up with this discussion with Raz. So Scott, I'm kind of getting in the habit of thanking you here. Anyway, that'll do it then. Thank you so much again for listening. Have a wonderful rest of the weekend. Until next time, bye-bye.